0: Coming up today on The Vergecast, Liz Lapato joins me and Dieter to talk all about GameStop, Reddit, and what is happening with Robinhood. It is a wild ride. And then Dieter
1: gives us a little update on some gadgets. That's coming up on The Vergecast now. Support for the podcast comes from Canva. Presenting to a group of your colleagues can be nerve-wracking. So why not ease some of that anxiety with Canva? Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. Choose your favorite style, customize the content, and that's it, you're done. It's a serious time saver. Whatever you do for work, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work.
2: This episode is brought to you by State Farm.
0: Hello and welcome to the VergeCast, the flagship podcast of high frequency trading. See? Ooh. Right on the nose this week. Mm. Uh, I'm your friend Eli. Dieter Dieterbone is here. I, I don't have a clever thing. I'm also your friend. Liz Lapato is here. Hi. There's like a lot of stories to talk about this week, but there's only one story, which is GameStalk. GameStop? Game <laughs> GameStop. I can't even say it anymore. GameStop the uh, troubled video game retailer, uh, which no longer is a video game retailer, but rather a symbol of class warfare in America. This is true. That's Mm -hmm. actually how I feel about it. So Liz is here to help us talk about all of it. There's a lot of moving parts to this puzzle. That's a metaphor. And then Dieter and I are maybe gonna maybe run through some gadgets at the end if we have time. But first, as always, the single most important story in the world is uh, the continuing COVID pandemic. Uh, I just want to run through what our science team has been doing. On that front, we we noted earlier this week, last week, it's been a year since the first coronavirus story was published on the Verge. We're at just an enormous number of people who have died because of it, way above what anybody uh, anticipated. That's a reckoning. So that's a, a story. Consider that. On the vaccination front, we're still figuring out the logistical challenge of getting vaccines out to people in the United States. At every layer of that stack, there are issues. Uh, we have a great story this week about certification process for pharmacists, which is slowing uh, down the rollout across the country. All little steps. Uh, Liz, like they change the the dosing out of the vials, right? You have to use a special syringe to get the last dose out of the Pfizer Pfizer vials. Like there's like all these little stories inside the big story. I mean,
3: look, there's been a lot of stuff around implementation that has been changing pretty much on the ground as people are figuring out how to do this. And so you may remember that there was that surprise dose in the vials. Um, You may also remember that we bought not by the vial, but by the dose. And so there's a bunch of mechanics now around how to make sure that enough doses uh, are getting to people. So it's... It's weird. It's complicated. I don't know what to tell you about that, uh, except that you should read The Verge, because (laughs) our reporters have done a really wonderful job of hunting all of this down.
0: Indeed. And lastly, I think these two things should not be in tension with each other, and yet they are. There was obviously a huge focus on testing in this country in the beginning part of the pandemic. We didn't get it right. I think Vergecast listeners know that I spent weeks counting against a promise that Google would make a, a testing website. New administration, new focus. Hopefully they're going to be a little bit uh, more buttoned up, but as health departments across the country have moved their focus to vaccination, the testing infrastructure has fallen by the wayside. So, two things that are intention that shouldn't be, but they are, and we we got a story about that too. So go read all that. The science team is doing incredible coverage of COVID. I think all of us are hopeful that we won't live through another full year of the pandemic, but we got to get it right, and there's a lot of moving parts. Go read that coverage. Like I said, still uh, the biggest story in the world. Okay, let's talk about the biggest story of the week. The silliest, dumbest story of the week. I was, on, um, I was on another call earlier, and I was asked for a framework of like things the internet can accomplish. And I was like, well, on the one side, there's really good things, right? Like, I don't know. You can listen to the Vergecast. You can listen to the Vergecast. The Ver- <laughs> All of us have careers because of the internet. There are a hilarious Reddits for... Uh, like knitting, right? Like that's my go-to example every time. I subscribe to a subreddit that's just about the car that I own. And it's literally just people posting pictures of the car, of their car, which is the car that everybody else in the Reddit owns. And then people saying, your car looks beautiful. It's just one of the most pleasant places on the entire internet. Somewhere in the middle of the stack, there's a bunch of just like boring stuff, like media organizations like ours publish news on the internet and hopefully you get some truthful news. Uh, The Black Lives Matter movement, right? It's an internet movement, people coming together, uh, in general, the uh, g- awareness of how different people live their lives is something the internet has made much more fluid and potentially better. Then there's like very bad things, right? Like uh, there's because people can find each other. A lot of racists have found each other. Uh, that's not cool. The capital was stormed because right. that's all the way in the other end of the spectrum. In the middle, there's just weird stuff, <laughs> weird things, insane things that happen when lots and lots of people get together and trade information and all take a big collective action at the same time. You're talking memes. Memes. Memes is one way of thinking about it. Actually, that's probably the best way of thinking about it. Like, Well, the, the reason
4: memes is such a good way of thinking about it is it gestures to this thing that happens where a bunch of people start to joke about something and have a shared in-joke, and then all of a sudden it becomes very real. And I feel like the line between joke and real is often intentionally blurred by people and sometimes unintentionally blurred, and eventually like it's a dist- distinction of the difference. And I'm thinking specifically of actually a lot of like the racist stuff that comes out of 4chan, you know, like Pepe the Frog, all that stuff. Um, but like, there's a dynamic here. We should just get into it. I'm sorry. I'm jumping way ahead of the story. That memes is right, because you think of a meme as a lighthearted thing, and it starts as a lighthearted thing, but then memes are also a very real thing that have real effects on the real world, and that the internet is a real world.
3: Right. They're powerful because they organize how people think, right? Like they give you a framework for a shared framework for thinking about something. And like the reason Dieter is saying he's jumping ahead is because (laughs) I'm just going to get into it. There is a Reddit, a subreddit called Our Wall Street Bets, where for about a year, there was an ongoing joke that they were going to take over GameStop, stock. Game stock. We can't game even stock. say it
0: anymore. <laughs> we're just going to
4: call it game. St- the the event is Game Stock, like 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 Woodstock, but for yes. Wall Street shenanigans.
3: Right. Um, so this was a joke, and then it suddenly wasn't a joke anymore. And the reason we're all like talking about this is because it is no longer in any way a joke, and uh, a lot of finance people are genuinely freaked out right now.
0: Yeah. So let's start at the start, Liz. And when it comes to wonky finance stories. Uh, I, I always turn to you. So over the past week, maybe even a little bit longer, we've seen GameStop stock go from normal trading levels, prices, and volumes to complete insanity. Then it has been halted in strange ways, not by the markets, not by the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ or whatever, like, but by individual trading apps, which people are incensed about, uh, and rightfully so. And... I don't know. AOC is tweeting about it. Ted Cruz is tweeting about it. Uh, McKenna Kelly has a story today that the incoming Senate banking committee, chairman, Senator Sherrod Brown from Ohio says the committee will be holding a hearing on the state of the stock market, (laughs) right? Not just like GameStop, but just like, yo, are the capital markets in the United States cool? We're going to have a hearing about it. Like that's, it's gone from a, a meme that percolated for a year to just a full on crisis. Uh, so I want to start at the very start, just the mechanical thing that happened here that caused this uh, waterfall effect. And I, it, I think we have to start with GameStop itself. Liz, what is GameStop?
3: So the GameStop I'm most familiar with is in this terrible strip mall in Iowa City. But it's a place, a physical place, usually located in a, a mall of some kind, strip mall or otherwise that you physically go to buy physical copies of video games. And now, as I think everyone is aware, it is totally possible to buy video games online now, right? And what that means is that the physical businesses at malls have been in trouble for a minute, and then the pandemic happened. And that made things worse because, you know, people are staying home. Now, GameStop has been shorted pretty consistently for quite some time because a lot of people think it's going to fail for the reasons I just outlined.
4: Every time uh, someone says that a stock has been shorted, I nod my head and go, mm, yes, I have I have heard the explanation <laughs> of what shorting a stock means. I, it is it is a complicated thing where you you, you buy the stock and then you lend it to somebody and then they, they hang on to it and then you buy it back. And if the stock goes down, then you win. And yes, I, I, I do understand this. No, I don't. I don't get it. I don't okay. understand how it works.
3: So the TLDR explanation is that shorting a stock is betting that it will go down. And the mechanical way that you do this is you uh, you locate somebody who owns a stock, and this is usually an institutional investor because they tend to be pretty buy and hold. They don't do a ton of trades. And when you do this, you are paying that holder a fee in order to Mm -hmm. borrow. Okay, and so what you do is you pay them the fee and you borrow their stock, and then you sell it, and then uh, you wait for it to come down, and you buy it back, and you give it back to the original people, and the difference between the top and the bottom is basically what you get minus your fee. Right. So, Mm,
4: yes, I understand. I understand now. Yes. Mm.
3: (laughs) I mean, this is like, let me put this in a physical way because that might be easier. Okay. Let's say that I borrow your iPhone. Okay. It's a brand new iPhone and I borrow it from you. And I say, I'll give this back to you in, I don't know, two weeks. Okay. And during that time, Apple has just a fire sale on that specific kind of iPhone. And so, what I do is I, I sell your iPhone at the original price, and yep. then I go buy the cheaper iPhone and give it back to you.
4: Ah, uh, okay. Okay. And mm, so, yes, I understand and that. And so, th- yes. the difference Great. between those things
3: is my money. <laughs> Got it. Right. So, that's what they're doing, but with stocks.
4: So, everyone has been doing this to game stop because, you know, it's, it's going it's, to, it must be a failing business. So, there's a bunch of investors shorting the stock.
0: Wait, and I just want to—I want to stop right there. Yeah, I want to ask two questions, threshold questions. One: Do we actually think GameStop is a good business? (laughs) Right, like it's—we're now completely untethered from that question on this Thursday afternoon. Like,
3: we sure are. It
0: has nothing to do with GameStop as a business anymore. But I don't like all of us are bound by the Verge's ethics policy. We cannot trade in stocks that we call in in companies we cover we like we're allowed to own index funds which is its own if you read matt levine's newsletter bloomberg you know that it comes with its own weird problems but like that's basically what we're allowed to own is like broad uh mass market index funds if you listen to the show you know we are always disclosing things so that's your disclosure for the day but if i was to be the sort of person who could buy a stock and i was like betting on the market i'd be like man game stop haven't heard that name in a while I bet that stock's going to go down. I shouldn't buy it, right? That would just be yeah. like, I buy all my games digitally. I'm getting a PS5. I'm like the only one who bought a digital edition. That's just who I am. I also <laughs> only buy like two games a year. So it's like not, not a big deal. <laughs> is it a good business, Liz? Like, is there, is there a case for GameStop to get better?
3: Yeah, I mean, there is a case. I don't know enough about the space to be able to tell you whether it's a good case, but there is one. Um, and the case is that GameStop also has an online way of selling games. And it's been growing a lot. And a couple of weeks ago, this guy who used to be the CEO of Chewy uh, joined their board with two other people. And so the the bull case, the case that this is going to be a good stock, is that these people are going to turn it around and they're going to create this wonderful online business for GameStop. And, and then, you know, they'll close maybe some of the mall stores and the, the turnaround will let GameStop be good again.
0: Okay. And then here's my other question. And this is really the... The Elon Musk question, I would say. Oh no! Well, but it's it's fine to say I think that stock will go down. I'm not going to buy it. Is it appropriate to say that stock is going to go down and I'm going to bet on it, such that the stock might actually go down? Right? Because Elon hates short sellers famously. There's a lot of shorts in Tesla. He sold literal short shorts to make fun of the short sellers of Tesla. Like he has created a culture of hating short sellers and short positions in stocks. And there are a lot of people on my Twitter timeline saying that shorting stocks is immoral and should be illegal.
3: I actually really disagree with that. And I'll tell you why. Um, I'm probably going to get a bunch of people yelling at me, but whatever. I think this is true. So one of the functions of shorts in the marketplace is to uncover fraud. And so very famously, the shorts were on to Enron before anybody else was on to Enron. Um, And this has happened in a number of stocks where a short seller has looked at the numbers and gone, that can't possibly be right, shorted the stock, done a bunch of research and triggered an investigation that that showed like, sure enough, there was fraud. So I view them as like a corrective, but not necessarily popular force in the market, if that makes sense. Like they potentially, you know, can keep us from losing our shirts. And the fact that they make money on it is what makes people unhappy, I think.
4: The accusation, or the the thing that's floating around here, is that sometimes shorts are more than just you know the heroic loan investor who who sees the problem in the company that we will see. Sometimes it's it's like a concerted effort by a cabal of Wall Street bigwigs to. Bring down a company, or to like, if someone shorts a stock, it eventually becomes a a self fulfilling prophecy that oh well, this person says that is short of that stock, therefore that stock must be bad, and that like eventually like kills the thing. Is is that just there's lots and lots of ways to do terrible things uh, with stocks and shorts, just happens to be one of them, or is there is there some sort of special, I don't know, vulnerability or concern there? My sense is that just shorts are just one way to do shenanigans.
3: Yeah, I mean, like, there's an infinite number of ways to do terrible things with stocks. Like, I don't think we've even come close to figuring out what all of them are. All right. The other thing that I will say about short sellers is that they put their money where their mouth is. Because you remember the iPhone, like, metaphor I just used with you, Dieter?
4: Yeah, I'm still wondering where my iPhone is. (laughs) Like, I I haven't logged out of iMessage. It's like a problem.
3: (laughs) So let's say instead of Apple cutting the price, Apple raises the price. I still have to give you your iPhone that I sold back. So I have to go buy it at that more expensive price. Now, the thing about that is that if you're a short seller and this is a stock and not an iPhone, like your losses are theoretically infinite. Like the higher the stock goes, the more you lose. So, you know, you can say like short sellers maybe are bad for the market, but they're putting their money where their mouth is, because if they're wrong, they stand to lose really a lot.
0: Okay, so this this brings us to Wall Street bets, Right. Short sellers potentially losing everything is the underlying mechanic of what is going on with the Verge keyword combo platter of Reddit, like Reddit, Robin (laughs) Hood, the Internet, social media moderate. Like you pick a Verge keyword, it's in here somewhere. There were a handful of gigantic investment firms, hedge funds who had shorted GameStop stock massively, right? Like more so than stock existed.
3: That's right. And they had been using it kind of as a cash register, because typically for the last couple of earnings, whenever GameStop reports its earnings, uh, the stock goes down because, you know, the problems with the business we laid out earlier. So, you know, it was like kind of this like thing where I think people got a little careless and they got a little comfortable with like, oh, this is a reliable way of making money is that this dying company is going to post bad earnings and then I'm going to make money.
0: Okay, so then there's a group of people on Reddit who see that this is happening and that the short sellers, I think the most important character here is Melvin Capital, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a a short seller called Melvin Capital that's deep, 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 deep into GameStop. Redditors see this in the subreddit WallStreetBets. What was the inflection point where they went from, we can invest in GameStop and make some money, to we're going to destroy Melvin Capital?
3: That's a really good question. So this is a little bit of a mechanical answer. Um, So you remember how I just explained that if you're a short seller, your losses are potentially infinite. Mm -hmm. One way to stop that is to buy back the more expensive iPhone before the stock or the the price continues to rise, right? So if you see that the stock is going to go up and you think it's going to go up for a while, you close out your short position, which is called covering your short. You make a loss, but at least it's not the worst possible loss. But because you have to go on the market to buy the stock back, you send the stock up farther. Okay, that's called a short burn, basically. And it creates a a sort of a situation where the stock keeps going up and can potentially burn other shorts. Right. There are also a couple of ways that you can work with options trading to ensure that the stock goes up. Um, And this is where it gets a little complicated. And I'm going to walk you guys through it. And you can tell me uh, if it makes sense or not. But there's this thing called a call option. So if you're feeling confident in, let's say, GameStop, you can buy a call option, which lets you buy a stock at a specific price on a specific date. Okay. And the way that this works is, let's say that I want to buy a call option on a company, company X. All right and the shares are trading at, let's say, $10. But I feel really confident about this. I'm sure that the stock is going to go up. I think it's a great business. So I buy options that let me buy 100 shares of Company X stock for, let's say, $25 on March 1st. Okay, This contract is a lot cheaper than just buying a share. Um, It's a fraction of what it costs to buy a share. Now, let's say, uh, you know, February, which is coming up, there's like an epic run in the stock. All right. And by February, mm, I don't know, the middle of February, February 14th, it's up to $50 a share. I can do a couple things. Um, I can sell my options to somebody else um, for more than I paid for them and realize my gains there. Or I can continue to hold on to them until March 1st, at which point I get 100 shares at the price that I, I locked in. Um, and immediately sell them, at which point I make a profit. On the other hand, because this is risky, it's possible that I bet really badly and that the company only gets up to $20 $20 a share. In that case, I lose everything that I paid for my options, right? Because if I bought the shares, I would still have a share. It just wouldn't have gone up as much as I wanted. But because I bought options,
0: I have nothing. Right. You you, you 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 bought yourself the opportunity to buy some stock and the opportunity passed you by right? That's right.
3: Now, the thing to keep in mind about Wall Street is that there always has to be somebody on the other end of the trade. And so whoever sold me the options is going to reduce the risk that my options will hurt them. And the way that they do this is they buy stock in company X, which makes the stock go up. And the further the stock goes up, the more stock my counterparty has to buy in order to cover their risk. And for those of you who do read Matt Levine, you know, this is a gamma trap.
0: Wait, I'm sorry that, that, um, <clears throat> it sounds like an Avengers plot point. Um, and I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to overcomplicate it, but what you're saying is you are the person selling me the option. I buy the option to buy hundred shares from you. You say, oh man, if he, ca- if he cashes in that option, I'll lose money. Right. If the stock is lower than the price that i agree to buy you're going to lose money right
3: yeah if if you if you you have options to buy the stock if the stock is higher than the price Aha. then i lose money on that trade
0: cuz you have to go out and buy the stock and then sell it to me for a lower price than you paid for it that's right right so you're going to buy stock to make sure the price to, to make sure you cover your bet but that causes the price to go up because that's exactly right. Increased demand. Right. Okay. So yeah. you, you buy the stock
4: before the price goes up to make sure that worst case scenario, you can sell the stock at the lower price because you bought it early. But
0: MCU phase four has so much more math in it than I anticipated. <laughs> okay, All right. So we, 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 right. So like, but so these options just have their underlying mechanic, which is when you buy the options, someone buys some stock.
3: That's right. And so if you get enough of this going, like, let's say you have a bunch of Redditors who all purchase these options suddenly the stock goes up because the counterparties had to purchase stock. And that potentially is trouble for the shorts because the stock is going up. So maybe some of them will cover their shorts and get out of the stock while they can, which then makes the stock go up further and potentially then burns more shorts. And it leads to this sort of weird chain reaction. Um, and that's the theory under which uh, Reddit is currently trading on game stock. <laughs>
4: So the, the one of the enabling factors here is that buying an option is a relatively inexpensive way uh, to like start doing something to the stock. If you just buy the stock, you buy the stock, but buying an option is less expensive, but it has this outsize effect on the other side of the market. Is that right?
3: Yeah, that's part of it. The other part of it is that until relatively recently, um, it was sort of difficult to trade options. And now at this point, it's much easier and crucially free. And so that has to do with, uh, that's where we come to Robinhood and the other, the other platforms on which people uh, trade shares. There used to be fees for doing this, and that changed through something called payment for order flow. And I'm really sorry about all this jargon. Uh, I love that's it. it. This does. is great. So basically what happens is Robinhood and other other brokers, because it's not just Robinhood, are, are getting paid by market makers like Citadel Securities uh, in order to see what real, real retail investors are doing, right? So that's what payment for order flow is. And uh, the way that this works is that Citadel, Citadel Securities, that's kind of a mouthful, makes its money by automatically taking the other side of the order and then returning to the market to flip the trade. And then th- it pockets the arbitrage, basically.
0: Wait, OK, that one you have to explain. So, <laughs> well, I just I'm trying to get my head out of like Billions. Right, Billions yeah. is a great show. Everyone should watch Billions. But Billions makes everything seem like literally, you know, Axe is walking around with a pen ordering stuff. The reality is that there's a lot of high-frequency trading shops that drive a ton of volume, and they rely on data. So if you have a bunch of information about what retail investors on Robinhood are doing, and mm-hmm. you can beat it by literally milliseconds, then you can make a profit on the difference between what happened in, in those milliseconds, Right.
3: Yeah, in theory, that's, that's part of why this practice is controversial because what you're talking about is possibly front running orders by jumping ahead of the customer in order to buy it yourself and then making a small gain, um, when the share price increases. And that is prohibited, by the way. There's no suggestion that Citadel Securities is doing this. All right. I just want to be super clear. Like that's, it's a theoretical possibility the more sort of boring way that uh, the money is made here is that rather like most retail investors are not buying chunks of stock, you know, like usually you trade in, in like, I would say like a hundred chunks of a hundred stocks, hundred shares, I guess I should say. And that's not what retail investors are doing. Like they're buying a couple of shares. And so what, Something like Citadel Securities does is package them all together in order to make a more efficient trade that is theoretically cheaper for the retail investor, which is, you know, that's the argument in favor, basically.
0: So in that scenario, Citadel is looking at the flow coming out of Robinhood and they say, okay, here's 100 individual investors who are trying to buy one share of Apple stock, which is like 130 bucks or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, 140 bucks, I think, right now. We can just buy 100 shares of Apple stock, get ourselves a discount, and then sell it to those investors, and make a little profit on the margin.
3: Yeah, that's right. Like the amount of money that is made on this has to do with how much volume is going through. Right. So the more people who are trading, the more money that a market maker like Citadel Securities makes. And I want to be clear also here that Citadel Securities is not the only person like not the only entity that's doing this. There are lots of other ones, but uh, Citadel is, is sort of the one that seems to have um, captured people's imagination, let's say.
0: That's a way of putting it. Citadel has emerged <laughs> as like the number one villain in this entire. And they, th- as far as I can tell they've said nothing. Right? They're just like an enigma behind the scenes.
3: Yeah, I mean like theoretically what they're doing is very boring.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> the thing about uh, behind the scenes enigmas is that uh, you can ascribe any motivations to them that you'd like. I think that is very much happening here. We don't know, right? It's like that's the one of the under the biggest underlying parts of the story is very few of the players are talking because there's a risk that almost anything they say would be securities fraud. So for all I know, for all I know, everyone at Citadel is in a room smoking cigars and cackling about how they've cheated the poors once again. Or uh, they're all, you know, at their home offices just being like, oh, crap, if I say anything, I'll go to jail. (laughs) Like there's a wide range of potential outcomes here. uh, And we, we literally just don't know. So that's just the mechanic here of what's going on. There's There exists short selling. There exists, I would say, because of, in particular, Elon Musk, uh, a particular animus towards short sellers. There's a large community of people on Reddit who find companies to invest in, given the prevalence of tools like Robinhood, that's democratized trading, particularly options trading. The back end of options trading involves a lot of buying additional stock which makes the stock goes up which is bad for short sellers something miasma of some intent called Citadel securities floating over this entire thing is that is that about right yep plus everybody's like at home and bored because of the pandemic and they we need something to do oh yeah plus like just general nationwide freak out at all times.
3: Uh, Yeah. I mean, like, let's be clear, like a whole bunch of people got into day trading last year and there was like a record amount of volume from retail investors last year. Like this is like a new large force of like people doing this instead of, for instance, watching sports, because like (laughs) you can't go out. You can't go see your friends like there's like a real limit on the things that you can do with yourself and a real limit on the kind of fun that you can have. And so people are looking at new ways to have fun. And for some group of people, that is day trading.
0: Yeah. Okay. let's take a break and come back. And I want to now that we've got the foundation, which literally took half an hour to get through. Let's
1: talk about what happened this week because it really (laughs)
0: went sideways this week.
1: We'll be right back. Support for this podcast comes from Canva. They say Rome wasn't built in a day, but you know what you can get built in a day? Your creative deck. You can generate creative decks to use for all your important presentations with Canva. Thanks to their AI, you can start with a simple prompt and watch Canva go to work. You want a sales presentation for a tech company? Done. Create an employee onboarding plan? No problem. Just type it in and watch Canva work its magic. You'll have generated options in seconds. Choose your favorite style, customize the content and you're done. It's a serious time saver at work, so whatever you do at your job, Canva presentations can give you a head start on your deck. You can generate sales presentations, marketing decks, HR onboarding plans, you name it. It's AI for every department. It's easy to learn, it's even easier to use, and because it's built in Canva presentations, you can stay focused on the task at hand with no app switching. Finish your deck faster. Generate slides in seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com, designed for work.
2: Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
0: Okay, we're back. Liz, I feel like I, I, I should have said this to people uh, at the very beginning, but you used to work at, at Bloomberg. That's where a lot of this knowledge of the, the market comes from.
3: Yeah, I I worked at Bloomberg during 2008, uh, the financial crisis. And it turns out that when the entire market crashes and you watch the most powerful editors in the room sweating, you learn a lot about finance real fast.
0: <laughs> well, actually, the, the 2008 comparison is is particularly apt here. So this week, things went completely sideways with GameStop, with Wall Street Bets, with uh, Robinhood. What just specifically happened there? Too many people bought options off Wall Street Bets and things went sideways. Is that, is that all that happened or was there something else?
3: There's like a bunch of stuff going on. So I'm like the thing that to know is that GameStop went on this epic run through January and I was sort of minding my own business um, because I I have other other responsibilities here besides like sort of gawking at what the stock market is doing. When on Friday, um, the stock went up 69 percent and triggered a circuit breaker. Nice. uh, At which. Yeah. Nice. Right. Uh, At which point a bunch of people started paying attention, including me. And that was when we all realized that like part of what was going on, was that Reddit had organized a group of retail traders to get in on GameStop. And that was like the run was getting so big because there were so many people involved that um, it actually caused a halt um, from the market. And we all came back on Monday and somehow everything got crazier. Like the market halted trading, I think, eight or nine times. And at that point, it was like, okay, there is something very strange happening here. And that was, you know, when I I went back and looked at Wall Street bets, because the thing is, this is not a new forum. It's been around almost 10 years now. Um, The Wall Street Journal has a really great interview with the guy who founded it, um, who is just like no longer a moderator there, like is kind of like horrified at what it's become. Um, Really (laughs) worth reading. But basically, they've been written about in the financial press for a couple of years now because they're can they they're interesting. It's an interesting group of people. But when they sort of came into the spotlight in the way they did on Friday and Monday, a whole new group of people came in who were not necessarily involved with Wall Street bets, but like noticed something weird was going on and so like figured out that they should maybe get involved, too. And then everything just got real weird real fast. So... You remember how I talked earlier about how like there are some people who think that GameStop is or was, I guess I should say, undervalued and that there was a case, a bull case for the stock. Yeah. Yeah. We are way beyond that now, (laughs) Um, way beyond that. And so what's going on is that like it's, it's almost like this stock, like buying options or buying the stock outright has become a meme. And so you see people like posting that they've their orders online that they've they bought this. You see people posting how much they've made off of GameStop online. And it just seems to be like accreting more and more people just like as this continues to go on and the meme seems to spread
0: so GameStop is not the first meme stock, right? Like I think Tesla is like a more famous meme stock that people just like buying it they like elon Uh, you know i've done however many appearances on cnbc where someone's like what's really up with tesla and i'm like they just like the guy like yeah like tesla's underlying financials Tesla's worth more than gm uh in the stock market tesla does not sell as many cars as gm right like it doesn't have as many factories but the upside of tesla is potentially very high so there's like a rational case to be made the Tesla will just keep going up and meet, meet its sky high valuation. And people really like Elon. But it's still a meme, right? Like none of that's proven out. They have to execute their way to it. Whereas with GameStop, it's like pure meme. Like it's just a joke you can tell with money.
3: The thing that I've been thinking about when it comes to GameStop is like a very weird thing that went on with Hertz last year. You may remember our transportation reporter, Sean O'Kane, and I have been like giggling about Hertz for some reason.
4: (laughs) I've been wondering, yeah.
3: Hertz went bankrupt, which theoretically means their stock is worth zero. And yet the stock started trading at interesting prices that were not zero, but in fact, like totally unrelated to the underlying business. Um, And at one point, like In the bankruptcy proceedings, Hertz tried to sell more shares to raise money and uh, was told no. You know, they figured, I think quite rationally, that if there was that much interest in the stock, then one way that they could make money to pay off the people they owed money to was just to sell more of it. Right. Um, And I'm pretty sure the SEC said no to this. Um, It was either the judge involved, the bankruptcy judge or the SEC. And so there was like this weird disconnect between the people who were trading the shares of Hertz, which were, again, theoretically worth nothing. And what was actually going on with the business. And it was like, this is what I've been thinking about this entire time was like that Hertz event as like sort of being the beginning of whatever we're seeing now.
0: Okay. It's a meme stock. It goes crazy. What happens to Melvin, right? Because Melvin basically gets driven out of business and then they get like a cash infusion. That to me is like the other big inflection point where like the pitchforks come out.
3: So this was interesting. There, there are sort of two main short sellers. One is Citron and the other is Melvin that the people of our Wall Street bets like really just focused on. And so Citron, like at one point they were like, we're not talking about the stock anymore because people are harassing our kids. So, okay. Uh, that is a thing that does happen on the internet. But with Melvin, it needed an emergency influx of cash because its bets, uh, its short bets went extremely wrong, and among those bets was GameStop. At that point, it was just like a, a moment of like, oh my god, this is so big that these Redditors are starting to topple hedge funds.
0: I think this is where the what is now the prevailing narrative of the reason I brought up 2008 uh, in the Depression. The prevailing narrative now is, here's a bunch of kids who came out of the shadow of the recession. They saw the banks get bailed out. They got nothing. They came up. And now this is the the fury of the working class is bringing down the financial elite of this country. I would say that is a very tempting narrative, and I want to believe it. Yeah, I also and I I just want to be clear about this. We don't know that that's true. No, we just don't know. (laughs) Like assuming someone on any Internet forum who is anonymous is who they say they are. (laughs) just historically is not a good idea. Yeah. Right like I I just it isn't. Like they could be anyone. And so there's uh, what I keep calling it fan like Fight Club fanfic. Like there's a lot of really compelling posts on Wall Street Bets about how people got wrecked in the recession and they've come back and like this moment has given them agency and they feel like they're fighting on behalf of the little guy and like right. Alexis Ohanian was on CNBC this morning talking about like reading those posts and feeling them and like how everything is democratized. He made a hard pivot to selling Bitcoin, which I thought was smart of him. (laughs) Um, I I like Alexis. It's always been awesome.
3: All all of my interests together here.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, But I mean, do, do what you gotta do. But I think that stuff is really compelling. I just would caution everyone that we don't know. Like, that's one of the things about this is that the narrative is now it's taken shape and it's a story that just like the price of the stock is no longer tethered to GameStop's business. The story, the narrative is no longer really tethered to what we know is happening or what we can prove is happening.
3: I think that that's a good note is that on the internet, nobody knows you're a dog. (laughs) But the other thing that I would say here is that there are rich people on both sides of this trade. Yeah. Like some rich people are getting richer because of what our Wall Street bets is doing. Like they're very proud of, like, you know, having taken down a couple of short sellers. But I'm sure uh, that there are a number of places that have been very quietly profiting off the retail trades. And the reason I say that is that the volume suggests that there's high-frequency trading going on that is, you know, unrelated to what what the Redditors are getting up to. Because uh, the thing about high-frequency trading is that it's a set of algorithms, and they tend to add momentum to whatever is going on in the market. So. If you remember, there was this flash crash in 2010 where all of a sudden the market dipped and then like went immediately right back up again.
4: Everyone was like, oh, sh- OK, I, I guess I guess that happened. Let's not think about it. Hope it doesn't happen again. That That's that, that one, right?
3: Yeah, that's that one. Um, yeah. There were some regulations that were put in place to try to stop that happening again, by the way. There was actually like an outcome here. Hmm. But that was driven by these algorithms because they're not like People, They're making the decisions too fast to be people. And so they're like doing, it's like the same problems that we have whenever uh, any kind of algorithm makes a decision is that sometimes those decisions are bad. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes they're bad. And so... I think that there are probably um, there's probably some of that going on where, like, whatever momentum is happening in the stock is getting accelerated by these kinds of algorithms. And then also, like, there are just people, again, like the new board member from Chewy, who own a lot of this stock and are suddenly much richer, not because anything changed at GameStop, but because our Wall Street Bets is doing whatever they're doing.
0: Yeah. So this brings us to, I think, the... The, the moment when everything just like flipped over, which, you know, last night the Discord pulled the Our Wall Street Bets Discord, but they brought them back today with support from the company so they could moderate it better. Yeah. So the, the just just so
4: it's clear if you missed this, Discord banned Our Wall Street Bets not because of issues related to should is any of the shenanigans they're doing with trading bad. It was specifically for like racist, hateful content. Right, because because the community had gotten so big so fast, there's just no way they just didn't they couldn't keep up with the moderation. And who knows if they were trying hard enough in the first place? Uh, so they got taken down because uh, apparently they had ignored warnings. But now they're back, and Discord is like helping them in some way to actually do the moderation. Yeah. So Discord takes them down, and puts them back up. Our Wall Street bets itself goes private and comes back. A decision by the moderators, not the powers that be at reddit
0: and so like that to me is like okay i get it like things got out of hand in one on one platform the moderators couldn't handle it and they went away and the platform said okay we're bringing you back we're going to help you out Mm -hmm. on reddit the moderators themselves like this is out of hand we're taking it down they brought it back yep then there's the chaos which is robin hood yeah yeah liz what happened with robin hood
3: well, it's not just Robinhood, I want to be clear. But a lot of these brokerages, including Robinhood, have limited how you can trade GameStop and AMC and a couple of the other stocks that our Wall Street Bets has gotten into.
0: Actually, can we just take a pause there? Just more Verge keywords. Some of the other stocks that are <laughs> that are part of this game include uh, BlackBerry Yep, and Nokia, yep. which is just very funny to me personally because, like, I I saw a video today of, like, a, uh, a kid, like, cosplaying as a traitor, <laughs> okay. right? Like, he was, like, a teenager in his bedroom, like, making a TikTok, and he was, like, pretending to be a traitor, and he was, like... Nokia to the moon! And it was just like cracked me up. Like It was like the funniest thing I've ever seen. But like AMC is a
4: verge thing too because we were talking about the theaters closing and dealing with streaming and blah 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 blah. Like, and I don't know Bed Bath & Beyond is where I swap out my soda streams. Nope, and that's not soda a verge a, Sorry, you've gone too far. <laughs> you, can buy, you can buy Google Nests at, uh, at Bed Bath & Beyond. Okay. Um, that's the end of the verge.
0: Okay. <laughs> we've, we've strained credulity. Alright, so a bunch of the, the trading apps. I think Robin Hood is the one that like took it on the chin. Yeah.
3: I mean, look, here's the deal. Like Robinhood was part of this meme. And like, that's not really, I don't think the company's personal fault so much as it was just that a lot of people were using Robinhood to do these trades and it got, it became part of this. They became like the people who were doing this became known as the Robinhood traders. And so when Robinhood limited what you could do a lot of people really freaked out, like really, really freaked out. And like part of that, again, has to do with the narrative we just discussed about how this is the little guy getting back at the big guy. And that's like kind of what the name Robin Hood implies. <laughs> 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 right. So I suspect there's like some measure of that involved as well. And so when, when Robin Hood limited some of these these trades, people got real, real mad and And they've been yelling at it uh, about it on Twitter ever since,
4: so we have spent the last uh, six months to four years yelling at all the platforms. Twitter, Facebook disclosure, my wife works for Oculus. Uh, how are you going to moderate? What are your moderation decisions? Explain them better. Facebook is setting up a court. We have all become smarter at, Knowing that platforms need to make moderation decisions and trying to hold them to account for like having some sort of rule of law, some sort of justification for those moderation decisions. And so when Discord uh, uh, took down our Wall Street and said it was because of hate speech, when on Reddit they, the moderators took it down and said like it's happening too fast, we need to make sure that we're able to keep up with this moderation, like that'll fit with what we have all learned about how moderation works over the past year. I don't know
0: why Robin Hood restricted the trades. Well, actually, as we have been talking... Oh, great. Robin Hood put out a statement, starting tomorrow, we plan to allow limited buys of these securities, that's AMC, GameStop, et cetera. We'll continue to monitor the situation and may make adjustments as needed. And then it, this is its explanation, and I'm just going to read it, and then we're all just going to experience Liz reacting to it together. As a brokerage firm, we have many financial requirements, including SEC net capital obligations and clearinghouse deposits. Some of these requirements fluctuate based on volatility in the markets and can be substantial in the current environment. To be clear, this was a risk management decision and was not made on the direction of the market makers we route to.
3: (laughs) Of course it wasn't. (laughs) Because the more you put through the market makers, the more money the market makers make. Hello? Right. So okay. So Sorry. this is,
0: so, so this is like the Citadel miasma conspiracy theory. Right. All day, I'm literally watching Tyler Winklevoss of the Winklevoss twins go at it with John Fort, a CNBC anchor, because Tyler Winklevoss is convinced that the suits, Citadel, the White House, Robin Hood's VC companies, called Robin Hood and said, "Stop this" to protect us. And John Ford, who is an excellent anchor on CNBC, said, do you have approve of this? And now they're fighting on Twitter. That's a real thing that's happening. <laughs> so I'm reading this statement as this was a risk-managed decision not made in the direction of market makers, is Robin Hood desperately trying to, like, tamp that down. Is that your read, Liz?
3: Yep. I think that's part of it. Part of it is also, like, there's a lot of jargon in there. But what they're saying, basically, is that there's a requirement of money that they have to personally have. to to make the SEC happy. And the requirements around that money change depending on how volatile the stock market is, which we're seeing now, very volatile, um, and a couple of other factors. And so if I'm understanding this right, and, and maybe I'm not, it sounds like they halted trading basically because they didn't have enough money to allow the trading to continue so that they could meet this requirement with the SEC.
0: Why didn't they just say that? Like the thing that popped up on the UI of Robinhood for people was we're restricting the stock because of volatility. That's all it really said. Yep. And there was some other nonsense there and people could read into that, whatever. If they had just said, hey, we're a startup, we can't cover our own float to make all these trades per SEC regulations. We'll be back when we go to the ATM. Like, wouldn't people have been more charitable? I don't know. This is like the miasma of current conspiracy theory. But it's also possible that they at the, in the moment when they had to put the
4: thing up because the, you know, the person who was counting the tills, like, oh God, we're out of money, do something right now. Their hands might have been tied by like the SEC. Like saying that might have had some other material impact on their business. And so they had to like take a breath. I'm I'm like trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't know. Like I, I agree with you. They should have just said it.
3: We talked earlier about how a lot of things that a lot of the parties are in, engaged in this, this situation, like they can't say a lot without engaging in securities fraud. Like,
1: <laughs> we've talked
3: about this before. OK, so you've got like Robin Hood here, I feel like is kind of trying to thread the needle and like give people an idea of what is going on without engaging in securities fraud. Like that's I think why there's all this technical jargon happening here is that like this thing was written by lawyers and then lawyers made it worse and now we all have it.
0: We do all make, we yeah, lawyers make things worse. <laughs> I got to say, I
4: don't like the idea of the gold standard. I think oh, we should we should just have the gold standard. and There should be a, a real, you know, unit of value that money should be tied to. Like I don't like that idea, but man, I can see why it's tempting after this hour, <laughs>
0: right?
4: Just like all of that would go away. Right.
0: I look I, 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 to again, I'm cautioning everyone listening to this. We have just come through a year, two years of let's get good at misinformation and conspiracy theories on social networks. That's what this looks like to me. There's something true here, but people keep sending us screenshots of people on Reddit saying they work for Robin Hood. And there was a phone call. Maybe that's true. we should go report it out we're gonna we're gonna go try to report it out right but right now what's happening is like the entire literal market is reacting to screenshots like that the entire market is reacting to billionaires like tyler winklevoss saying there was a call being made it's a dave portnoy who runs barstool sports and has like a very popular stock trading twitter account situation and it's like a multimedia empire of stock trading he's like everyone should go to jail. He's already he's skipped 15 steps and the CEO of Robin Hood is in jail. Yeah. And I like step one. And, you know, I think this is frustrating for people. Step one is to be like, wait, can Robin Hood do this? Have they given themselves the ability to halt trading?
3: I just got some breaking news, Uh which is coming from Bloomberg. And it says that Robin Hood is said to draw on credit lines from banks amid tumult. And it's it's a two-paragraph release. It's literally still coming in. But it sounds like they've tapped uh, several hundred million dollars, which suggests that they are trying to make sure that they are meeting their capital requirements.
0: OK. So, again, like, we, we trust Bloomberg, but we why won't Robinhood say this, right? Like, they're creating the conditions for disinformation to flow. They're creating the conditions for people to fill in the gaps of their understanding with things that sound totally reasonable, but add up to at stool presidente saying they should be in jail, right? Like that's just a it just take yourself out of the situation. And how you feel about money in the stock market? This looks like conspiracy theories on the internet. Like it, it really just it. it has that shape. Like it's a resonant all of my instincts that we built to cover that stuff are resonating with this story in this way. And like what I think is really frustrating to people is that it's a long road from here to the, the CEO of Robin Hood being in jail, like a long winding road where step one is we're going to go read the Robin Hood Terms of Service Agreement. And if you have been listening to this show for however many years, you know, I think Terms of Service Agreements are... Inherently problematic should maybe even be illegal, are definitely non-negotiable. Definitely contain a power imbalance between the service and the th- like. How many episodes of the show have, we, have I talked about this? But they exist and they're enforceable. And Robin Hood's terms of service agreement, which people click agree on, definitely says we can shut down your account and restrict your trades with securities. There's parts of it that, based on what kind of trades you're doing, how much how much money you have in your account to cover your trades if they go sideways, all this stuff, much more complicated. There's parts of it that say we can sell your positions for you. Now, is any of that fair? I don't know. Is that is is it reasonable? Like, will it hold up? I don't know. But you got to file a lawsuit against Robinhood. You got to say this is the stuff we disagree with. You got to find a plaintiff. You got to find somebody who's mad. Um, that person has to sue. You got to pay the lawyer to sue Robinhood. Lawyers cost money. We're annoying we're that way. Then the court has to say, here are Robinhood's uh, obligations to the SEC and the markets and the rules they have to follow. Here is the position they were in. This is Robinhood's response. We've evaluated all of that. We've looked at their contract. We think that their terms of service agreement is unconscionable. You have to, as the plaintiff, you have to overcome the fact that you hit, I agree. Mm-hmm. And then they say, what you did was wrong. But just imagine what that court decision has to look like. Imagine what Robin Hood's response, like now you're five years from now, you've wound your way to the Court of Appeals, and you know, Justice John Roberts is like, so there was this subreddit called Wall Street Bets. <laughs> like, you gotta get all the way there. And I would just I, I I feel like telling people on the internet to slow down is a lost cause. This story has all of the hallmarks of slowdown. Well, so but the the other
4: thing to add on to that, and Liz and I were talking about this, um, we watched the internet learn how to mess with an election, right? They learn how to spread misinformation, mess with an election. We watched a bunch of platforms figure out how to handle that misinformation problem. The thing that is being messed with right now are algorithms that make a thousand decisions every nanosecond, right? So, you, asking the internet to slow down is one thing, but... This is the if, if there's just day trading algorithms making nanosecond decisions based on things that it's seeing as a result of these collective online actions, that's a much more difficult problem to solve. And the, the problem you elucidated in the first place was difficult.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, there's like this um, it's risky. Like here's like a risky strategy Robin Hood could have taken. They could have been good at talking to reporters, which they're not really, and they could have definitely just let it leak to a reporter. Hey, we have to cover. We have to cover our position per SEC rules, and that's what's happening, right? And then Bloomberg would have gotten that story before the thing went out, and then everyone would have taken that information. But like most new look Silicon Valley companies, they actually hate the media, so they, they the only way they can talk is officially indirect, and so they end up putting out these half half ass statements. There's just a lot of ways to manage the gaps in information, and I think Robinhood caught in a panic, understandably, did not. But those gaps in information now have turned into the gigantic narrative, and I, that narrative is at the point of, okay, there's going to be Senate hearings about the state of the stock
3: market. Yeah, I mean, like when Ted Cruz and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez are agreeing on something, you know something big is going on. Um, <laughs> but the thing that I do want to say here about Robin Hood is that I don't think it's like as simple as just they hate the media. Because drawing down your credit lines is pretty serious stuff, and they have investors to whom they have duties, and so if they were to go out and say directly what's happening, or, or in some cases maybe leak stuff, they may very well be lining them up themselves up for a different lawsuit from the people who put money into them.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I'm not. At, I, I don't work at a company that has SEC obligations. At least I don't think we do. Uh, Oh, I don't (laughs) don't know what Van Gogh's up to, but, um, you know, there's a lot of ways to handle it. My point was they didn't do themselves any favors, right? And that's just one way of like getting ahead of the story so that people have some sense of what is actually happening instead of the now received wisdom of the internet, which is almost impossible to change, that there were definitely shenanigans and definitely criminality and definitely people should go to jail maybe all of those things are true, right? It is totally possible that all those things are true. We don't know. And what we do know much more lines up with, man, this tech startup saw a total influx of users. They're a fintech startup. They're in a regulated space and they scrambled to meet their legal obligations. And that scramble resulted in chaos. Yeah. Like just on a like Occam's razor basis. On the one hand, you have a gigantic criminal conspiracy led by a party that was Citadel was making money.
3: Yep, that's right. right? <laughs> well, that's your
0: point. <laughs> and on the other hand, you have like uh idiot scramble right m- moment, right? Like I've been in idiot scramble moments. I know what they feel like. And often you just don't do yourself any favors that I don't know. How, I don't know how you resolve that gap. And I, I certainly don't know how you resolve that gap. And somehow reconnect yourself to the overwhelming narrative that this is the little guys versus the big guys. And there's justice that was uh, subverted by Robin Hood taking this step. Like, that's a lot of things.
3: Yeah. I mean, like, look, we're in a highly chaotic situation, which I feel <laughs> like is when I, I come on this show most often. And then, like, <laughs> there's something chaotic going on and and I show up. I don't know what to tell you about this. Like, I don't, I don't know enough about Robin Hood to tell you how they could have done this differently or should have done this differently. I don't know if they could have done this differently, to be real with you. I also don't know how they recover. Maybe they will. It's possible. But there's just like a lot of, a lot of things that are moving very quickly and kind of scarily in the financial space right now as a result of Reddit. I just want to be super clear. Like, like this doesn't happen without like Reddit and Discord and Twitch and all of these ways that these individual retail investors have figured out how to organize themselves. Like this is why we haven't seen anything like this before because like ordinarily when you're, you know, trading, you don't really necessarily have a community. I mean, you might, but like it's not at this kind of scale. This is like the internet mob has come for Wall Street, and Wall Street does not know what to do.
4: Yeah, Liz, you said two things to me today that like, are really sticking with it. One was uh, this is going to end in tears, because fundamentally what we're looking at is like an out-in-the-open pump-and-dump, and so far we've only seen the pump. And two, that uh, this, you know this community, and now the internet at large, has figured out how to do a new thing and that new and th- and 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 wall street doesn't have like an inoculation against it they don't wall street doesn't know what its response should be yet and so like what what's going to happen next is like what i want to ask you i mean who knows by the time this airs, 15 other things will have happened but like the the combination of you know there's always there's going to be a cr- someone's going to pay somewhere there's going to be some crash um yep. maybe it'll be the rich people maybe it'll be the poor people maybe it'll be everybody who knows Uh, And that there's a new move that Wall Street doesn't know what to do with. Like, those two things seem like, I guess we're going to need to buckle up. I would buckle
3: up. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, look, there are a couple of ways that you can look at the place where GameStop is now, right? It has nothing to do with the actual physical store. It has nothing to do with the people who work there. It has nothing to do with any of like the fundamentals underlying the business. Like this is just a thing that is occurring out in outer space somewhere that is probably freaking out people who work at GameStop, frankly. <laughs> um, and and so it's it's unusual for a stock to be this divorced from reality. And when that does happen... Typically, it comes crashing down. Now, I can't tell you when that will be because I don't know. And like, if I were in a position to know, I would not be working as a journalist. I would be trading fucking stocks. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but I do think that there is going to be a a a, a significant crash of. GameStop stock coming. And like, I think that if you are getting in at the end of the pump, you are potentially in a world in for a world of hurt. Like anybody who's getting into this stock now is getting into a much riskier gambling situation than somebody who got in two weeks ago.
0: All right. I usually end by being like. What's going to happen? <laughs> I think we know better than that.
3: This time. <laughs> I'm kind of excited. I like, you know, I I like everybody else during the pandemic. I, too, am at home and bored. And now I have an interesting thing to watch.
0: Yes. Although, are we once again staring at like the end of the American experiment? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I will say that I am I'm very appreciative of like I, I said at the top, like the Internet has all kinds of outcomes. And if like we can just raise the floor from truly terrible to just super weird. Like if Wall Street bets and GameStop is like the worst thing the internet regularly causes, I would be very happy, <laughs> like very happy. All right, let's take a break. Dieter, I want you to just run us through a little, little gadget and lightning round and we get out of here. We'll be right back. We're back. Dieter, we did have some gadget news this week. Yeah, so um, I
4: reviewed the Galaxy S21, the regular one. You know, what's interesting about this this one is Samsung took its flagship name and it put it on a mid range phone. It's like, it's a perfectly good phone, but it definitely is like an $800 phone that is going to get discounted at $650, $700 by carriers in two months, and that's where its price should be. And I don't know what the heck Samsung is up to, uh, selling its best. It's like using its best name on a mid range phone because they've got the A series now that there's the S series, but the S series is now split into really good and like fine.
0: I don't know what they're, they're doing anymore. I kind of know. They're just like doing, they're, they're doing Samsung stuff. Like, (laughs) Like they're, they're just hitting every price point with every phone, right? They've got their lines yeah. and the A goes up to a point and the S comes down to a point and they overlap. Okay. I mean, Sure. It just, I'm sad
4: because last year I bought the Galaxy S20 and it felt like it was within spitting distance of the S20 Ultra. Now that was because the S20 Ultra was bad, but uh, I, like you could get a really like the best flagship Android phone at a reasonable size. And like I just think that's gone. That's not happening this year. You have to get a big phone if you want the best phone. Not just from Samsung. I think it's gonna be the same story with everybody else. Sony announced the latest version of the Xperia. It's the Xperia Pro. Liz, did you see this story?
3: No, I did not.
4: Well, this phone costs $2,500. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Yeah, uh because it has an HDMI in. Amazing. <laughs>
3: Look, for that price, the phone should have to do my laundry.
4: Yeah, so the the idea is it has HDMI in, so it can serve as a monitor for a professional camera or DSLR, and then it can live stream 4K from that camera. So, like, this is a phone specifically designed for guys on the football field at NFL games to stream their cameras, you know, over 5G, because that's where 5G actually matters. To me, it's like... Sony's charging that much money, not because it costs that much to put an HDMI into a phone, but because literally nobody, there's no other way to do this other than without getting like a whole like complete erector set of other components and parts and gadgets. So it's 2500 bucks. I don't know. I, I, I might try it. I'm not going to buy it, though, because I'm not a maniac. But yeah, I don't know, man. Sony, just... Wa-
0: you explained Samsung to me. Now you need to explain Sony to me. Um, here's my, here's my Sony. I'm coming up with it. So I'm stalling. Okay. Here it is. (laughs) Um, like LG, Sony Uh can't win in the big market. So they're just making crazier stuff. And they know that features like HDMI in will appeal to like a very specific audience that will definitely buy their phone. And that kind of marginal incremental innovation is good for the good for everyone. Sure. There's no way they make a profit on it though. (laughs) Well, What you solve one problem at a time, okay?
4: Fair. Uh, I do think we should just like mention uh, the fact that like Tesla announced a, a refresh of the Model S, like a redesign,
0: and like it's got a whole bunch of stuff. I think it looks great. I have a lot of questions about the steering wheel and Elon's plans to not have a shifter, but I'm gonna hold on this, uh huh, because as we speak, uh huh. Sean O'Kane and Becca Farsace are working on our Mustang Mach-E review, which I am extremely stoked about. Yeah. So that's going to come out next week. We're going to have them all on. We'll talk. We'll just do a whole car thing. Okay. That's great. I love that. Uh, I have nothing else to talk about. And by nothing, I mean that uh, Carl
4: Pei, formerly of OnePlus, has launched a company called (laughs) Nothing. It's pretty good. I don't know. (laughs) Dieter. (laughs) Yeah, it's like yeah. the most eater. <laughs> they they named the company nothing specifically so that people would do the thing that I just did. I fed into their game. I feel bad about it, but not that bad.
0: Wait, can I give everybody one little taste of Sean's Maki review video? Okay. Before we break. Uh he sent me a clip cuz I'm dying to know about this car, right? He sent me a clip from a GoPro as he was driving down the highway in in Texas cuz he lives in Texas now. And literally, it's just a woman pulls over next to him, motions for him to roll down the window, and is like, what car is that? And he's like, it's an electric Mustang. And she's like, that's the coolest thing I've ever. Like, she goes nuts <laughs> <laughs> over the maki I I can't wait for this video to come out. It's, like, amazing. Okay, that's it. This was a ride. I feel like I had every emotion about the internet that I could.
3: I really hope I didn't confuse people any farther than they are already confused, because it's, like, this is just confusing. And I don't know what's going to happen next. And, like... I'm just trying to imagine what's going to get crammed into the next 24 hours. And like, my brain just kind of went tilt. So good luck out there.
0: Casey had a, had a good tweet. Actually, his, um, he had, his entire issue of platformer was about this, but his tweet joke was congratulations to unruly mobs for being the main character of 2021, <laughs> which is, uh, it sounds about right. Okay. Speaking of things that are very complicated on decoder this week. We had Joseph Venn from Reuters, who's broken a lot of news on the SolarWinds hack. I actually think this is pretty undercovered. uh, generally. It's like massive, you know. Biden had his first call with Putin and like talked about the SolarWinds hack because our government was compromised. Um, so listen to that, uh, get some. Uh, that story is hilariously more organized than the Wall Street bet story. It turns out the, the Russian government, when they hack you, uh, there's like there's good guys, there's bad guys, you kind of know what happens, unruly mobs. Uh, unruly. Anyway, check that out. That's on Decoder this week. Uh, You can tweet at us. We love to hear from you. Dieter is at Backlon. Liz is MS Lapato. I'm at Reckless. We'll be back next week with Decoder and the Vergecast. Hopefully, we'll know what's going on. I hope so. Rock and roll. Wear a mask.